0: and welcome to Talking Business with me, Danny Pardo. In these interviews, we'll be exploring employability insights, career advice, educational experiences, life stories, and more from a wide variety of people in a wide variety of industries with the ultimate aim of helping you to make decisions about your studies and your career. If you like what you hear, please do rate, review, share, and subscribe to this podcast. It's all very much appreciated. So here we go. Let's talk business. Hello everyone and welcome to Talking Business with Danny Pardo. Just wanted to say thank you to our new subscribers, new viewers and new listeners. If you haven't done so already, please do take a moment to like, share, rate, review, subscribe and all those good things with regards to this podcast. It all helps other people to find it too. And in today's episode, I'm chatting to David Akosim, who works for the NFL here in the UK. And we're going to be talking about the work he does with regards to social media and equality, diversity and inclusion at his organisation. So here we go. Let's talk business with David. Hello everyone and welcome to Talking Business with me, Danny Pardo. We are chatting with David today. Hello, David. How are you doing?
1: Hi, Danny. I am all good.
0: Super, super. Well, thank you very much for joining me. Really, really appreciate it. We are talking all things kind of NFL, social media, equality, diversity, and inclusion on this episode here because that's a little bit about what you do. No, too many spoilers there. But before we go too far, um, I suppose we need to find out who you
1: are. So, David, who are you? I have never been asked this question before, Danny. <laughs> that is a hard, hard. That's a hard question to answer. Um. First of all, I am David. I would say I'm a careerizer. I'm probably a content specialist um, throughout my career. I've produced many pieces of content in many different forms of media, whether it's radio, um, TV, social media, but I guess away from career and work life. I'm just a 29-year-old, dual nationality, born in Nigeria, came to the UK when I was like two, three years old and I lived in South East London ever since. Fantastic. Well, thank
0: you. You know, for the first time ever answering that question, I think that pretty much sums up. You know, the last twenty nine years in about thirty seconds. That's uh, that's impressive. So let's let's get into your career journey. Then. So you're twenty nine now. Let's head back to about thirteen years ago when you're say sixteen, finishing up those GCSEs. Did you think that? Okay, when I'm twenty nine, I'm going to have produced some music. I'm going to be a social media coordinator. I'm going to be focusing on uh, equality, diversity, and inclusion that's what I'm going to be doing in 13 years time. Or were plans when you were 16, not even in place or were they different?
1: I certainly did not expect to be to have done all those things, but I did have a very clear career plan and probably from since I was probably 12, 13 years old, I always wanted to get into journalism. That was my thing. I wanted to be in a media in some form and particularly do sports journalism. So yeah, from the age of probably 13 to 20, that was my clear career goal. That was what I knew I wanted to do. So I was quite lucky in a sense that because I had a clear plan on what I wanted to do, things like work experience, things like A-levels to take, degrees to take, then what to do at university outside my degree, I kind of already knew because I'll be researching those things again when I was in year nine, 10, 11.
0: Oh wow. So that's great that you had like that clear vision of where you wanted to go. And that was able then to inform your choices. So nice one on that. And when it comes to your college then, so what did you choose at college? Were you an A-level kind of guy or did you do vocational yeah. courses? Or
1: yeah. So in college I did English, politics, geography, and Italian. I right. always knew I was probably going to do English at university because again. When you research journalism, they always say do English or media degree, and then geography and Italian were probably my two favourite subjects at GCSE, and then politics was the wild card. I just thought, you know what? I know absolutely nothing about politics. Let me let me pick it and see if I enjoy it or not. <laughs> That
0: classic fourth A level, I, I know that feeling well, and I know, but students know that feeling well where they see the three and they go, "Ah, d- oh, thought I'd done it," you know. But you just got to get that fourth one in. So, when it comes to English, then, and that's what you studied at university, is that right? Looking at your yeah. LinkedIn, there yeah. having a sneaky peek, but I did, as most people do. um What what degree did you study then for
1: um English at university? So I did it at Nottingham University, University of Nottingham. Um, so. Their English degree is different to most. They call it English studies. So it's English lit, English lang, um, linguistics and medieval studies and drama. So you kind of study all disciplines of English in the degree. And then in year two and three, you can decide which modules and which, I guess, subgenres of English you can specialise in.
0: Yeah, but that's a lot more varied than the traditional, I'm going mm-hmm. to do English, isn't it? That's interesting. So was university right for you? Was that the right choice, do you feel, looking back now?
1: University was right for me because I, for two reasons. One, the social aspect, I think, is incredibly important. And mm. to meet different people from different walks of life, to me, it was probably the one number one thing I enjoyed most out of university. And two, that's where I did student radio. And that's where I actually got my work experience and honed in honing the craft of producing actual content. So when I say about starting my career, funny enough, I probably started it at university um doing student radio. On the other hand, I will probably be honest and say I stopped enjoying studying midway through the first year. And I mm-hmm. kind of knew actually, I think my I think my enjoyment of just Again, studying, reading, duh, 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 duh. I'd kind of left after A-levels and it was a very much a hard slog getting through that degree in year two and three. Yeah. And it's funny because I think I speak to many people and you, you either go in two ways, you find that you actually really enjoy studying and maybe do a master's or really love the degree or they're kind of like me where you're just doing it for the sake of doing it. And it's actually the wider parts of university that really you, you start to enjoy a lot more
0: yeah and that's that's interesting you say though because i often ask students do you want you know when they're making these decisions from going from college to university or employment apprenticeships do you want to study do you want to sit in classrooms again do you want to sit in lecture halls and some of them just go no and then you think well, why are you going then you know if, if that's you can still learn about your subject there's just maybe other ways so i mean you've mentioned work experience a couple of times now and were you before the the student radio that you were doing at university were you doing other work experiences were you always getting paid for them because there's a belief a, a lot of students think that uh, i say a lot of students uh, some of the students i've spoke to let me phrase that a bit better um think that oh i'm not working for free i'm not doing volunteer work um were you doing paid work experience or were you just getting anything you could from say like year nine onwards
1: no any anything i could so there was, I can't remember the name of this magazine, that's really bad, but there was like a 13 to 18 year old magazine um, and people of that age could write um, for that magazine. So every now and again, I will submit articles for that magazine and it get published. I did that for like two years. And during the normal work experience, periods in I say year 10, um, and I believe first year of college, I did stuff like go to channel four for one week and just um, shadowing someone there I went to channel five one week around and did the exact same thing. So trying to get any experience having that I could um during those three, four years was, was really valuable.
0: So, how was that useful to you then? Going back, you know, I mean, we're talking um magazines, we're talking media, we're talking the industry that you want to be in. Mm-hmm. How important was actually doing those unpaid work experiences during that time, and just to kind of think. Is this what I want to do? Um, am I learning skills? Am I meeting? Are you, I mean, you're even networking back then, I guess.
1: Yeah, you you've hit the nail on the head. It's you're not ever going to be doing anything important at that age doing those work experience. Like you're not, they're not going to give you any tasks that are particularly meaningful. But the great thing is that you can see the actual role within the industry. So you learn, okay, there's a publicist and there's a um producer, but then there's a copywriter. And so you begin to understand the industry a lot more. You begin to know, okay, if this is really for you or not. And then the third thing is networking. Um, those contacts become invaluable. And it's certainly true what everyone says in, in the media world. It's big, but people get around. And so actually something that like you meet um, one year in 10 years time, they can be a valuable contact in, in, in another way. Uh, I it kind
0: of goes back to what we were saying before we went on air, wasn't it? But uh, I've spoke to Jay and Kat from Imagine Insights and then you know those as well. And before you know it, you're in this little kind of circle of people, aren't you? So let's get into your work then for the NFL. Um, social media coordinator, is that right? Have I got that yeah. title right? Yeah. yeah. Um, do you have a team, if you don't mind me asking?
1: Yeah. So there's a social media team of around three, four of us. Yeah. Uh, me, I'm a digital and social media manager and head of, social, head of content for NFL UK right. and another freelancer as well during the regular season. So right. yeah, team of four, it used to be just a team of two, and that team yes. has grown the last three, four years. And yeah. I guess the, our main aim is to grow our audience in the UK. Yeah. And we re- oversee the NFL UK social channels, that is NFL UK, Instagram, Twitter, and also contribute toward the NFL global Facebook channel. Yeah,
0: and I think it's just starting to become obvious to quite a few students I speak to that, you can actually work in social media. You know, you, you you would look at the NFL or a lot of businesses and think, oh, somebody's just getting paid to sit there and type messages and take a nice picture or, or anything like that. And you're talking about a proper coordinated team of people who have to really carefully think about what you put out there. Um, I mean, as that team grows, then, and what you've been looking at, the importance of social media, then, if we talk about kind of Gen Z for 16 to 16 to 26 or 25 year olds um how important then is your role in social media with regards to that and you and the team there uh, how important is what you're doing to um uh, kind of keep the current fans attract new fans and grow that business how important are you and your team
1: I, i mean i guess i play quite an important role in specifically trying to reach that 18 to 24 year old audience and we know that gen z are Mobile first, and so when they want to find out new things, they go on social digital channels. So if we're to really grow our audience amongst that demographic, we need to be in those spaces. We can't expect them to come to us, and then that's where the different layers of my role comes in because you then got okay, how what other social media platforms should we be um living in? So we've just launched our NFL Academy TikTok channel, knowing that all right, if you really want to go into the amongst that um, Gen Z demographic, you need to be a TikTok because that's a predominantly youth-led channel. And then also it's stuff like what influencers and content creators should we be working with? Because yes, we've got our own NFL UK social channels. However, we should also be making sure that our content and NFL content and American football content is living in famous influencers channels or famous content creators channels. Those content creators who have a large audience amongst that demographic. So we've got our own influencer strategy, um, where we, again, we give clips to influencers, to do specific original content with influencers. And that way, we're broadening our reach when it comes to NFL content on social media platforms.
0: Yeah, because the NFL is not a small brand, is it? It's a prestigious, global, uh, major sport brand. You know, as a fan myself, you know, I've seen it evolve in the UK over the last few decades, as I show my age here, and it, it can't be seen as being. Um, amateurish or unprofessional you know the things you do on social media have got to really represent that brand haven't they and it's fascinating to to watch it grow and you know when you talk about tiktok well, there's your audience isn't it the, the gen z you know it's i probably wouldn't say well i definitely wouldn't see those uh but yeah the, uh, the youngsters the youngsters on the gen z would um and i think there's also a perception then that within work you do one job and then that's what you do but that's not the case with you is it looking at um you know your profile on linkedin and brief chats we've had you you champion equality diversity and inclusion um i say the word champion loosely because of what you actually do so as well as working in social media what else are you doing there with regards to the Nfl and their uh, kind of adi programs
1: yeah i am currently the co-chair of our international dni um committee so nFL of course it's an american sport but they're trying to grow their fan base across the whole world so we've got offices in the uk china Canada um, and Mexico, and so we've got all these offices. And so what I do is I co-chair a group of nine of us, a representative from each office, to try and come up with DNI initiatives that help not only empower minority voices but brings our offices together. I think the word DNI gets branded about a lot, but DNI means different things for different people, for different companies. And so when you think about having a global company like the NFL, that's where the inclusion aspect comes really important because sometimes we can be quite disconnected with what happens in New York so we're doing initiatives that make sure that again if you are a worker in Mexico you are getting the same benefits you're learning the same things as someone in New York um, will be getting and then on the other side the diversity aspect of it the sports industry is not great for diversity when it comes to both gender and ethnic minorities so we try to create more initiatives that um, diversifies our talent pipeline. So, that is particular internships um, where we try and onboard uh, diverse groups. That could be competitions and hackathons with universities to try and show them the different careers in the sports industry. So, very much DNI across all our international markets is really important. And again, it's trying to connect all our markets together, but also try to diversify our talent pipelines yeah the inclusion
0: thing that you mentioned there that's really interesting because obviously you, you you are a global business but again just being a global business is something that's bandied about a lot especially with remote working and things nowadays and and having that connection between employees across the world and working towards that common goal and sharing the same values is it's not easy is it it's it
1: can be very challenging. Not, at not at all and it's because like again in china what diversity is to what diversity is in the UK and Canada. So it's trying to understand the, the cultures within each market and try to then to have not only initiatives that we can all collaborate on, but also initiatives that work for specifically China or specifically Mexico, those more homo- homogenous countries. Yeah,
0: and. If you don't mind me asking a big question about this here, then why are you doing that? Can't you just do your normal job and like earn some money and go home? You know, Why, why would you take on the extra responsibility of, of doing something like that?
1: Danny, that's a very, very good question. Yeah. I guess... <sighs> because this might sound really cliche, but it's the right thing to do. And in order for this industry, and I say this industry, I mean both media and sports, in order for us to really grow we need to empower minority voices. And that in itself should be as important as your day job. Because again, if we're not empowering minority voices, then we are we are the, the root of the problem. And it's really important that we all take our own onus and responsibilities to try and empower minorities, and empower minority voices to champion others. Because if we don't do it, who else is going to do it? We can't sit here and complain about oh why is there only one female or no um minorities in our boardrooms well if we start doing the work now then that, that will come better if we become more of a diverse unit have more diverse staff members um showcase more diversity that will only better the industry both sports industry and media industry so yes it's a lot of work and it's a lot of voluntary work however the work that we're doing right now will only better the sport industry and media industry going forward yeah
0: and and that's what you're all about isn't it better in that industry for the people inside it for the people outside of it and really representing all the different people and cultures that you're one, trying to attract as customers, but two, as staff members and, and give back to communities and things as well. Have you have you had any kind of major challenges with regards to that? Are you, or, or should I say, are you seeing many things in the media where you think, well, we really need to keep doing this or um, any kind of problems or sticking points? And, and what are you seeing maybe other organisations do
1: as well? When it comes to major sticking points, it's just... I guess there's two things. It's making sure that whatever we do, we get buy-in from senior leadership because you're not going to make much change unless senior leaders are on board. And that's where we're quite lucky with the NFLs so that actually a lot of our senior leaders have been championing the work that we are doing. I think just in general and across the sports industry, it's making sure that you might get on social media oh why are you posting about this or you might get people saying why are you taking a knee it's making sure you don't let those voices dictate your actions because they're just a loud minority and you might get criticism for doing a post about lgbtq community however you must know that that's still the right thing to do um unfortunately from what i've been seeing and i, I can't give you a reason why this is you do get sometimes within the sports fan base a bit more backlash when you post more about diversity things especially when you compare it to let's say musical entertainment um it seems like sports fans are a lot more slower to get on board with these things than other industries which is a shame but it's just so it's that internal thing of knowing okay you might get backlash for posting about this but it's not that it's the right thing to do and Again, you might get a very vocal minority, but it's going to be thousands of people who will be watching your content, seeing your content and be like, you know what, that's great. I want to learn more about that sport because they champion ABC, et cetera. I think that's the biggest challenge, just making sure that no matter what comes out your way via social media, just know that it's the right thing to do and keep championing it.
0: Yeah, and the vocal minority really is amplified, isn't it? With social media, it, it only mm-hmm. takes a few, um, literally a few people, then all of a sudden, ten thousand retweets later, and it's a major news headline, isn't it? And, and exactly. that's been that's fascinating to watch as 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 a fan myself um, of American football more than say English football and events this year, but certainly you can you can see it kind of start to build can't you about vocal minority and you think that can't be everyone surely not everyone's thinking like that and and it's not cliche you know you, you said the right thing to do um, for the students if they're constantly told that maybe I and mean, then they hear people like you saying go oh, Oh, maybe it's the right thing to do then, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it resonates a bit more, doesn't it, with them? Well, hopefully it will do. And uh, thank you for sharing those ideas. So, I mean, flying back then into social media, I think a lot of people think that social media is is very um easy to put out there and certainly cheap i know when we've done marketing campaigns and and things like that in class social media is always one but students choose and I mean, they go ah oh, because it's free and i'm I'm going to guess you're not working voluntarily but i don't know how that would pay your rent um <laughs> there in london or your train ticket this morning so what why is for this perception man? that social media is is free and easy but you've got a team of people getting paid
1: to do it. I mean, where, where, how does that link up? Because it's easily accessible. So, Danny, you can jump on Twitter, post a tweet, or you can jump on Instagram, post a picture, or do a TikTok video, and it can take you one minute to do. And so to some, some on the other side, it's like, oh, if you're working on social media, all you're doing is posting a tweet here and there or posting a picture on Instagram. That's easy. That's an easy role. However... When you start to delve into it a lot more, it's things like, okay, what is the strategy of the social channel? Who are you trying to reach? Who's the demographic you're trying to reach? Okay, once you know that, what to what's your content? You then got to create assets, create graphics, create videos. And then you go into Photoshop and the skills of learning Photoshop and the skills of video editing in Premier Pro or Audacity or etc Then once you create the content, it's all right, what's the copy? Copywriting is one of the hardest things to ever master in this industry. And I tell that to everyone, having a tone of voice in your social channel is so important, but getting that tone of voice right is very difficult as well. Um, Because on social media
0: you've got, sorry, social media, you've got a very short space, haven't you? You're dealing with very short attention spans Mm -hmm. and you've got a very short space to to write anything. And Mm -hmm. also you're representing a massive global brand in what, 100 words, 50 words, maybe,
1: you know? Exactly, and it's competition. Like, you are competing for attention in a very busy timeline. So people scrolling, 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 scrolling. If we don't get their attention, they are going to keep scrolling. And so it's how are you going to articulate yourself and write that copy where you get people's attention, yet it's still on brand, yet it's still accompanied with great assets. And that whole total package it's very difficult to get right and can be quite time consuming. And then that's just one post. So then you've got to then fill out a schedule for the whole week and then a the whole month. Um, and there's paid social. And then it's how do you then connect what you're doing with a website strategy or email strategy? I think that is that is pretty much the social and digital ecosystem. Yeah. Uh, so it might seem quite easy, but actually, when you take a step back and analyse the whole ecosystem, there's a lot that goes into it. Yeah. And then you throw into that as well that you've got the London Games returning and you've got
0: tens of thousands of of people, well, more than that, actually, um, who want tickets, who want information. And you're trying to kind of liaise with all those. So I I can't even imagine how, you know, what's the kind of pressures and deadlines and things you're working to at the moment as we as we get back to um, like London Games?
1: Yeah. So to anyone listening, me and Danny agreed to do this at 8 a.m on a Wednesday morning. And Danny doesn't know this, but the reason why I said that is because at 10 o'clock, our tickets, our general sale for the London Games are going live. So all the teams come in early today to brace ourselves and get ready for that ticket, <laughs> ticket general you sale. You said brace yourselves. <laughs> I mean,
0: what's it going to be like
1: then? then? <laughs> uh, it, this is the most chaotic day in the NFL UK calendar um, because we have around... 40 to 50,000 people in the UK all going on one website all at the same time. And if you've ever bought a ticket to a festival or concert, whatever, you know that, that is a recipe for not disaster, but chaos. Yes. And so if people are going to struggle to get on, they're going to get the red, red ring of death. They're going to just complain. And then when they do that, they go to their, our social channels and vent. So for a few days in the year, I become a customer service assistant on our social media channels. So the main aim of our team today is to um, look at all I mentioned and help anyone who's struggling to get onto the website and buy tickets. So again, it's that whole thing of, all right, on one day, you could be creating copy. On another day, you could be going on a shoot and recording a video for the London games. But like a day like today, I then got to be a customer service assistant and then um, react to everyone's issues that they're having um, going on and buying their tickets. Just like me working the same things back again just having been very <laughs> polite being very patient it's gonna be a long day but again it's it's one of the many different hats you got to wear when you're working in social media. Exactly
0: yeah none of this nine to five same Day uh, every day is the same day for you over there, is it? Good grief, that's going to be a form. I, I feel I don't know if I feel uh, elated that you gave time up for me, venture chat, or uh, kind of awful that I'm taking up your morning. I mean, you're going to need some coffee and things in a minute. Um, so, um, a couple of quick questions then, as we roll towards kind of a thirty-minute mark here. So, what's next for the NFL in terms of like their social media and their their EDI? I mean, Social media, you mentioned getting into TikTok for the NFL Academy. Um, what what's coming next do you have many things in the pipeline or are you growing with as as markets and products come out
1: yes i'll say we're growing our ecosystem in two ways we're going to be more present in more platforms so i mentioned tiktok we're going to be doing a lot more on youtube and twitch as well so again youtube is not a youth-led platform but there's a lot of young demographics young demographics in on youtube so we're going to try to do a lot more there we're going to try to work with a lot more content creators on twitch and again just broaden our, our reach across different platforms and then on the other side to that we're going to try and do a lot more internationally so we're going to be having our games in germany next year so it's doing more on our german channels um we're going to be launching stuff like nfl africa soon as well so there's a lot of different territories that we're going to be um doing a lot more in in the future and there's a lot more platforms going to be a lot more in the future so basically growing in any possible in any and every possible way
0: Brilliant. Um, NFL Africa are not two terms that I've heard kind of put together very often. That sounds really exciting. So, I mean, you're already global and now you're going even further um, and and offering that product and service to a much wider range. That's that's really exciting. Can't wait to see what you come up with for that then. and for yourself then, I mean, what's next for you? I mean, obviously discounting the next few hours and you, you know, sleeping well tonight, I have no doubt. <laughs> um, what, what's next for you? Um, with regards to the NFL uh, internally there or you're you're producing your record do you do you have a record label or something? Or did
1: you used to? Yes, yes I do. So on on the side, I also have a record label where we release garbage, grime, bass music. So yeah, um, that kind of stemmed from my university days, just being a lover of all forms of bass music. Again, my first drum and bass, garage, jungle, etc. And then me and my friend just thought, you know what? Let's not. Let's try and have our own label. So on the side, with whatever free time I do have, I was working, working on that. But I think career-wise, career-wise, probably much of the same. So maybe doing a lot more stuff with um content creators, a lot more stuff with brand, a lot more partnerships. I think doing a lot more of that stuff. But also, I'm really keen on forging a career where I help create content that empowers minority voices. I think that is what I'm really passionate about. And it's working with different brands, different talent, different content creators to create that content um, that empowers minority voices. And that can be within sports, gaming, entertainment, music, or an intersection of all four. Yeah.
0: But that's uh, a very noble career path and, and thank you for doing it you know to make to make a difference to a lot of people and a lot of my students who will be watching this and other students uh in the audience as well thinking well you know change is coming and they, they get to be a part of it as well because of people like you trailblazing the way through it and uh your your record label as well sounds really exciting and uh I, I don't know how you're fitting in all of that uh but you know well done to you <laughs> for doing it um and i'm just going to throw one last question out about you. if if that's all right, we're going to um, I haven't told you this one. Although if you watch my interview with Anthony, you already know what's coming. But hey, I'm going to do it anyway. So uh, going back to 17, 18 year olds, um, when you were that age, uh, David, and if you could give yourself a bit of advice that you wish you took on, listened to and carried through as a mantra, um, what would that advice have been for 18
1: year old David? Do what you enjoy. And I, and I go back to my university time, and I did English because I thought it was what I needed to do to get into journalism. However, if I did what I enjoyed, I would not have chosen English at that stage. Um, you might think, "Oh, I have to do this career because my parents think that's right for me, or I want to make this amount of money, so I want to do this career, or I think this is a career that people respect, so I'm going to do that." No, just do what you enjoy, and if you do what you enjoy, you will enjoy the journey a lot more. So that is the number one thing. Do what you enjoy at every point of your life. Cause it goes quick. The twenties <laughs> go quick. And in my I'm in my last year in my twenties and I tell you these last nine years have flown by. So yeah, always do what you enjoy because you will get more enjoyment out of it. And you will get more out of it. Yeah.
0: Uh, and it is it is quite a journey, isn't it? This career and this social life and things that we go on and, and finding the right balances between them. And again, it's it's not cliche once you hear enough people say it, you know. That that's absolutely brilliant to hear. And thank you for that advice. And thank you for everything else, you know, taking the time to chat on this ridiculously busy day for you. I really do appreciate it. Um, no, it's all good. I mean, I
1: think like actually I like doing this because one, it gets my mind out of what's to come in two hours' time. <laughs> And two, it's always good to help help um, yeah. the next generation of people coming through. So no, certainly, thank so, you, Danny, for inviting me.
0: Well, thank you. And uh, I'm sorry, I'm not going to keep you on for another 90 minutes so you can get out of all the mayhem. You've you got to get back to work. <laughs> so uh, I'm terribly sorry. But uh, thank you so much. And um, stay on the line for just a moment. We'll say a quick goodbye after this. But for now, uh, David, I just want to say thanks so much for sharing your insights and your ideas here today. And thanks for talking business. And uh, cheerio. Thank you. Thank you, David. As you know, I will take any opportunity to talk football with anyone, but hearing your unique insights and views and what you do is really enlightening to me and hopefully all our viewers and our listeners too. So, David, thank you very much. And to all our viewers and listeners, thank you very much as well. Please like, share, rate, review, subscribe, and make sure as many people can find out about these insights as well. And until next time, cheerio. Thanks for listening to this episode of Talking Business with me, Danny Pardo. I hope the advice and insights in this episode make a difference to you, your studies and your career. You can find more by searching for Pardo's Business, that's me by the way, on Google, YouTube and Instagram. I'm also at Pardo's Business on Twitter. If you like what you heard, please do take a moment to rate, review, share and subscribe to this podcast. It's all very much appreciated. We'll catch you again soon on the next episode of Talking Business with Danny Pardo. Thanks and cheerio.